1: Hey everyone welcome to the 50th episode of the independent advisors podcast where Matt Jessup and I mark McEvely bring you into our world of financial markets and financial planning and everything you need to know from the past week uh, in our industry so good morning to you Matt good morning mark number 50 number 50 We Think made it for us yeah we made it this far so Here's to the next 50. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it's um, it's already we've already been doing it for this long. It doesn't feel like it, but no. pretty much coming up on a year now. I love it. So love it. As always, we will take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the year of the major indexes and the month. Um, and these numbers are as of the market close on June 10th. And the data is from Coifin. S&P 500 index is up 4.79% for the month and down 1.16% for the year. The Dow up 6.33% for the month and down 5.26% for the year. The NASDAQ up 5.59% for the month and up 11.68% for the year the IWM ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 index is up 5.24% for the month and down 11.76% for the year. The Vanguard International ETF X united States is up 7.15% for June and down 8.78% for the year. The three-month T-bill, uh, the yield currently sitting at 0.17% two-year treasury yield at 0.18% and the 10-year treasury sitting at 0.7%. So, this is the first time in a little while we've actually seen some moves up in uh, the treasury rates here, which is, uh, I think, a, a good sign. I do think it's a good sign. You know, it just with
2: stocks uh, even pushing higher here so far in, in June as a whole, it's starting to put a
1: little bit of pressure on those rates. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, the the past week, Matt, has been pretty pretty positive stuff across the board here. So the major market indices finished up uh, this past week by a decent amount. So the Dow was up uh, 6.81%. The S&P was up 4.91%. And the NASDAQ up 3.42%. And the Russell 2000 index um, gained 8.11% this past week. So uh, pretty strong across the board. Yes. Um. And the, the reason why they finish on a strong note, Matt, is that on Friday or Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Friday uh, May unemployment numbers came out and it came in at 13.3%, which was well below estimates. Um, I think estimates were looking for nearly 20%, 20%, to be honest. And the U.S. economy added back 2.5 million jobs in May, which kind of stunned everyone. So as companies uh, started to bring their employees back to work, this has definitely helped that uh, that data point. Um, So employment also rose, excuse me, sharply in leisure and hospitality, construction, retail, trade and health services. But it's important to also note that employee levels in these industries are still well below the pre-pandemic levels. Yes, yes, yes. um, And also manufacturing and business services also reported growth. So for the most part, good news. Yeah, I mean, one thing I want to throw out there is, you know, I've noticed a lot of low quality,
2: quote unquote, names seem to be rallying lately. And, um, you know,
1: from your opinion, Mark, is that signs that investors are trading up the risk curve? I think they are. And I think that's pretty normal for an environment that we're seeing that eventually, you know, money's going to rotate back into these names that have been beaten down so much. But to me, I think this is more of a short term thing because I, I do think the leisure, you know, the the cruise liners, the, the airlines, um, it's going to take a lot longer for them to come back. So I would continue to to see over the long term, continue to believe that those are going to underperform the broader market and tech in general. Um, But you do see this short term rotation after areas like energy, financials, and leisure have been beaten down so much that they're going to get a bounce at some point. I think that's what you've been seeing.
2: Yeah. and, And, you know, they're coming off such a low base mark that, you know, these numbers that they could produce on a day, I just kind of want to remind listeners: if something's up double digits one day, it has the
1: opportunity to reverse that, if not more, the next. Yeah, exactly. Tread carefully. Yeah, very carefully. Um, moving on to tweets, articles, and research from the week that caught our eyes. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, Matt, was a article, uh, a blog post posted by our friend Ashby Daniels on his blog, The Retirement Field Guy. Okay the retirement field guide um, titled preparing for what ifs. And this was on June 3rd. So I just wanted to read a few things that kind of caught my eye from this article. Okay. So Ashby starts by saying we are now a little more than two months out from the bear market lows as the swift recovery ensued. I started hearing stories of investors who sold out of their portfolios around Dow 19,000 because the market was quote unquote going lower. They were right for the blink of an eye, but with the market now back above 26,000, when are those investors supposed to get back in? I have to pose the question because getting back in is always the hardest part. In order to do so, they have to admit to themselves that they were wrong and we never like to acknowledge that. Mm. And we talked about this, man. I think it was Ashby who brought it up that the hardest decision isn't deciding when to get out. It's deciding when to get back in. That's right. Um, And if you make both of those decisions, you have to be right on both of them, which the probability for that, my experience, is very low. So he goes on to say, I don't believe that any opinion you hear on TV should cause you to make any changes to your portfolio unless it already needed work before COVID turned the world upside down. There's the point right there. Exactly. And you already see. Um, Stanley Druckenmiller and Paul Tudor Jones are already walking back their statements they made a couple weeks ago kind of admitting that they they were wrong Absolutely, in calling for, you know, a deeper correction than we got. So, yes. again, tread very lightly with people you hear on TV. Yeah, the latest is
2: Gunlock. Uh, Jeffrey Gunlock, he is a big bond manager. Now, this guy manages bonds. He doesn't manage stock portfolios. He's been be- he's, in, he's been bearish for he's, 10 years. <laughs> he's been bearish for so long, and they still, you know, give him headline time. Now, you know, if he has an opinion about the bond market, you know, that's one data point. Listen to that data point. If he has an
1: opinion about the stock market, I would be cautious. Yeah. Yeah, very. Um, the last thing I want to note that Ashby says is, here are two things I do know. Just about all the successful investors I know purposely act on a plan, and just about all the failed investors I know react to current events that are almost certainly advertised as the end of the world as we know it. Yeah,
2: the sensationalization of, of, of the news these days, Mark, and, you know, we hit it hard in, in, in March, and, you know, man, it was almost like uh, the financial news stations, the producers were just throthing from the mouth mm-hmm. at the volatility
1: that we were having. Right. Um, because it gives them talking points. It gives absolutely. them more viewers. They know that more people are gonna tune in because we're going through a time of crisis and obviously you're gonna have more eyeballs on if everything was peachy. And they get people on there that um, the motivation
2: I feel is to sensationalize, not have someone who's level grounded. And yeah, they're just they taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, bold predictions and people attach onto that. And then you fast forward to Ashby's article and then you got people who
1: sold out and then now it's like, what are they going to do? Right. Right. So that's why it's, it's just important to follow your plan. And you know, we almost talk about this every week, Matt. And even if you don't work with an advisor, come up with a plan and just stick to it. You know, that's right? it's like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Warren Buffett. He has a plan and he stuck to it for, what, 40 years? Mm-hmm. And he's done pretty well sticking to his plan. He's going to have lumpy returns and bad years. But overall, over the past 40 years, he's stuck to his plan and... It's worked out for him. I agree. Um another so this was an interesting tweet I saw, Matt, by Tyrone Ross Jr. on June 1st. I wanted to pose this to you and get your opinion. Okay. So he tweets thought ten thousand dollars in a government stock fund for every citizen that cannot be accessed for 10 years, can pass if not needed and gifted to a social impact fund of choice if accepted you get the dividends and full amount with any growth in year 10 i know just think about it for a sec what are your thoughts on that interesting
2: so in my opinion you would have you know some lumpiness at the end of that 10 years you'd have a massive amount of money coming out of the market at once Mm -hmm. that would be my concern yeah and people would arbitrage that trade I think you initially would have the money going in. People try to arbitrage and get ahead of that trade. Um, From the standpoint of just printing this money and giving it to citizens sounds insane to me. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I've never
2: heard such a thing before.
1: (laughs) I haven't either. I know you're kind of surprised. (laughs) I didn't mean to catch you off guard, but I think... I think it's an interesting idea. I think it needs to be reformed a lot more than what I just read there. But I think it's an interesting idea because, you know, again, the majority of people, they're probably going to snatch that money right at year 10 and take it out. But I think for people that, you know, get educated about it and we as a country do a good job about doing that with people, it could turn some people more into investors instead of just takers. Oh, which, there
2: it is. There it is. Which, so in essence, giving investing experience or giving them the ability to kind
1: of watch and track this account. Right. And I think it's politically neutral because from the right, you're not just giving a check to people. And from the left, you're um, you're still giving people money and the opportunity to grow. So I think it's a kind oh, of you a, know, they a always, politically neutral. Yeah, they always show these statistics that, well, this bailout's only
2: benefiting you know, the wealthy could it's benefiting yeah. these corporations they own.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that was the other point and I was going change, to make. that could change that narrative. Yeah. And also with, with the left, the left always talks about how with people that have money in the stock market, they're, you know, head and heels above everyone else that doesn't have the ability to invest, that that's a potential thing that could work if you they know, iron out the details. Yeah. Because I remember, man, I forget how long ago
2: this was, I think it was back in the Bush administration. They were talking about giving you the option to convert part of your social security to some sort of like thrift savings plan, 401k type of account, right? Um, and that kind of makes me think
1: that's another option is that people are allowed to do that, convert yeah. part of that. So I thought it was interesting. Again, you all the points that you made were great that, you know, people would get ahead of it and make some serious money off of that. Seriously, and my,
2: that's my mind immediately went to is the arbitrage of both the entry and
1: the exit. Yeah. That's immediately where my head just yeah. went right to so, but I think it could be interesting if it if it gets worked on a little bit. Interesting point. I'm glad you I'm glad you yeah. shared that one, Mark. Um, the last thing I want to share was a tweet by Jerry Parker, and he was quoting Howard Marks, uh, the investor. When uh, he said this on June 2nd, tweeted, "Investors can prepare for extreme and unpredictable events by recognizing that they are inevitable." and by making portfolios more cautious when markets are more vulnerable to damage from untoward events. Hmm. So again, I think it was just a good quote saying, you can't predict what's gonna happen and you just need to accept that, but have a plan, have a strategy that can evolve and adapt to whatever environment that you're in, essentially. I absolutely agree. So that's, I absolutely that's agree. resonated with me. All right, so I have... Um
2: a couple of things for listeners, Mark, and I think they're both going to enjoy these. First one I have is a consumer credit update. So the figure came out for April. And um, I know you saw the figure, but I'm just going to say it again and see your reaction. U.S. revolving credit dropped by over $68 billion in April, meaning consumers paid down debt in a very big way. Mm -hmm. To kind of graphically show this, we have not seen this type of uh, pay down of debt anytime recently. It's a massive amount. And I want to throw out there, it would not surprise me, Mark, to see a similar drop, maybe not this much of a magnitude in May, but I think you're going to see another big drop. So what is your initial thoughts on, say, the Uh, responsibility of the
1: average American consumer here. This really surprises me, to be honest, because, you know, people were on, a lot of people were on the side of, hey, these people are going to get these $1,200 stimulus checks and they're going to blow it. Yep. Well, this contradicts that, that people are taking responsibility. And we saw some of that last week when you brought up how the personal savings rate has increases. And now this comes out and people are paying down debt. I'm very surprised, but very happy that you know people are taking this time to do this type of stuff and taking advantage of this to pay down debt or to increase their savings rate. Now, uh, I know this next comment I, I'll
2: make uh, could be controversial, but I do think going into the summer mark, you're going to see a big amount of pent-up demand. I think you're going to see above-average spending coming up here as things continue to phase
1: open up my opinion, mm-hmm. your comments. Yeah, I think I think you will too. And especially if people are doing the right things now and paying down debt and increasing their savings rate. I think, you know, they're in, in whether it's consciously or subconsciously, um, they're preparing for that, right? Yep. <laughs> preparing yep. to yep. take yep. trips in the summer and go to the lake and rent a boat and do all that stuff. So I think, I think that, that that's a, a correct statement. All right, next one I got.
2: I got an update from Bespoke Investment Group listeners on forward-looking um, statistical uh, gains for the market, okay? So, for new listeners, Bespoke Investment Group does a lot of raw research on, on um, historical data, okay? And what they do is they find similar periods of performance and can give us a sneak peek. Well, how did things perform going forward when we had a similar say, uh, event in the market. Okay. So for this specific piece, it goes back and it shows about roughly eight instances where the market in this case, the S and P 500 index made more than 20% in 50 days or less. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it one more time, 50 days or less S and P 500 index gained it over 20% in those 50 days. The instances and the data piece they have is 75, 82, 1991, 97, 98, and then twice in 2009. The point I wanna make is looking out in those other data points, Mark, forward-looking 90 days, the average return was 7.6%. And then looking out six months, the average return for those data points was 10.08. Here's where it gets interesting. For the three months, it was positive 85% of the time. In six months, for the data points, it was positive 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying that the market is going to do these averages. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even going to say on the six month that it's going to be positive. The point that I'm making for listeners, Mark, is that statistically, the way the market is reacting bodes well when you look at history looking out three and six months down the road.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough to say it that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think it's important to note, like you just said, that it could be negative six months from now because the sample size, again, is smaller in small. this. It is small. Right? So people have to realize that. But, I mean, there's a lot of green on this chart, and we'll put it in our show notes, but it's encouraging. We're going to throw it out there. Yeah. It's interesting because I looked back in our show notes as
2: I was preparing for this podcast, and I went back to March. And you and I were putting out some of this raw research from Bespoke. And we were saying, you know, statistically looking out, you know, three months and there were some big forward looking returns. Mm-hmm. And
1: guess what happened? Yeah, it happened. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Back to you, my friend. Time stamped. <laughs> um. So moving on to the financial planning topic of the week, there was a blog post written on June 5th by Michael Batnick on his blog, The Irrelevant Investor, and it was titled Automate, Automate, Automate. He always and has good stuff. He always have good stuff. I like reading his stuff. Um, and this is a great, really concise article that shows just exactly how none of us can predict what the market's going to do, even if we had all of the data ahead of time. Okay. So I think the best thing to do is create a plan and stick to it. Like I've said many times before, and listeners probably want to kill me for saying that. Um, So Michael starts off by saying this, even if you had the news ahead of time, it would be impossible to figure out the market's reaction. 2020 is the ultimate example of this being the case. And this is why the best solution to combat the complexity is to automate your investments. Had you invested every two weeks in a 60-40 portfolio, hard as it is to make sense of, you would be at an all-time high today. And uh, Michael's data source was Charts and he used the 60% stock exposure in the S&P 500 and the 40% bond ex- exposure into uh, U.S. bonds, ticker AGG, and yeah. annually rebalanced. Aggregate bond index. Yep. Yep. Um, what's important to understand, Michael says, is that the simplest and most effective way to invest for your future is to automate your purchases. And again, I'm reading from the article. This isn't a, uh, recommendation. If I've learned nothing else about investing, it's that consistently making the right decision during difficult times is an impossible burden to bear. To be clear, this is not an argument for index funds over actively managed ones. It's an argument for not letting yourself today sabotage yourself tomorrow, Boom, which is unbelievably true. Automating your investments frees you from the shackles of worrying about what the market does next. If 2020 hasn't convinced you that predicting the future is impossible, I'm afraid nothing ever will. And it's just one of those things that I, I think it goes back to, you know, what we always love saying on here is focusing on what you can control and you can control your contribution rate. Um, I was listening or I was reading something else over this past weekend and someone had a quote like, um, you know, put your, put your investments on autopilot and go worry about watching football instead of trying to time the market, you know? So it's just one of those things where, you know, and we've talked about this before as well is that when it hurts the most to push the buy button, usually pretty pretty good time to do it yes and and vice versa so yes, we're human too happens yeah. to us once in a while so right? i think it, it, it's really smart and it just again it takes that burden away from you trying to put your emotions aside and figure out what's really going on because it's extremely extremely difficult to do and remember
2: listeners in those time periods such as near the end of march it it felt it's human nature to feel that it's going to continue that way for an extended period of time if you go back and listen to those podcasts, we were sitting there saying, "Listen, you're, the, the environment and the thought process and the psyche of the average investor will change quickly." Mm-hmm. I know we we talked about that a lot in March. You got to look past this week, and we were like, "I know it's tough," and I'm very happy that we were at least a helpful, steady hand in a very challenging time for a lot of investors. Yeah. Yeah. So and,
1: you know, this won't be the last time we go through. Nope. A, and we're going to be referencing and, this again. It yeah. could
2: be a couple years down the road, but, you know, um, it's never different this time.
1: No. You know? Yeah, it's so, not. And that's I mean, that's really where it helps to have someone else, um, you know, talking you through things like this, even if it's I mean, even if you don't have an advisor, have get an investing buddy or something like that to, sure. to bounce ideas off of and, you know, try to take devil's advocate t- side of thinking. Yep. Um, you know, it could do you, do you some good. Love it. Um, well, that's all I had for today, Maz. Is there anything else you want to mention? Um, no, I just want to give, uh,
2: I got two things for listeners as we kind of uh, close out for uh, podcast number 50. One is um, the Fed met yesterday. Powell said that they plan on keeping interest rates low through the end of 21 you know, um, almost unheard of to have the Federal Reserve telegraph a move that would encompass 18 months. Um, but I think that um, could be a strong tailwind
1: uh, for the market uh, in the coming months. Yeah. And we're kind of getting a little of the buy the rumor, sell the news that people were buying the past couple of weeks, anticipating that's what he was going to say. Sure. And then once it came, they're like, all right, we're going to quickly take our gains and take our gains. What's the next
2: catalyst? Let's sell get this it off time. for a little bit. Yeah. Then um, the next follow-up is we would expect to have the news flow be somewhat um, minimal from corporations the last couple of weeks of June here as companies are closing out their second quarter. Yeah. So we're going to be hearing from a lot of our companies that we own for our clients in the uh, middle to the end of July, and so a lot of these companies are going to start to go dark on um, uh, their blackout periods. So just know that some of the information flow, and I'm doing this as part of education for you listeners to kind of understand the calendar and the things that Mark and I think about. So information flow will go down a little bit here. We'll be focused more on general economic data, the weekly unemployments, for example, consumer spending. And then when July hits, we'll have more data from corporations. Yeah. And then uh, beyond that, we'll be back next week for good old podcast
1: number 51. 51. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to the 50th episode of the Independent Advisors podcast. We hope you all have a great weekend and we'll see you back here next week. Take care.
0: Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words, questions, and topics in the subject line to mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com and we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances.